This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. From Earth Day the 22nd of April until Monday the 25th of April, residents and visitors alike are encouraged to take a walk on the wild side, discovering and exploring the city's natural places from the highlands to the high seas with the inaugural Wild Dunedin Festival. In this segment we hear from Wild Dunedin Festival organisers and participants. First up today, a chat with Professor Phil Bishop, local expert on New Zealand's native frogs. Take a walk on the wild side this April as the inaugural Wild Dunedin Festival celebrates our beautiful and unique landscape, weather and wildlife. Wild Dunedin is a chance for everyone to discover and explore the city's nature from the highlands to the high seas. Wild Dunedin starts on International Earth Day, Friday the 22nd of April and continues over the weekend, ending on Anzac Day. Visit www.wilddunedin.nz for the full schedule of Wild Dunedin events. Yes, and aren't we looking forward to the Wild Dunedin Festival from Friday this week? Earth Day, of course, uh, right through until Monday. People of all ages are encouraged to take a walk on the wild side, discovering and exploring our city's natural places and some of its special residents as part of the inaugural Wild Dunedin Festival. Uh, on Saturday, Professor Phil Bishop will step out uh, as his alias Professor Frog, along with special guest and frogophile Susie Cato, for an afternoon with the amazing wild frogs of New Zealand at Otago Museum. So we thought we'd take a, a, an opportunity to uh, catch up with uh, Phil Bishop. Thanks for joining us, Phil, for coming in today on the Awesome Morning Show. Um, tell us, where was your interest in amphibians born? <laughs> oh, well, that goes back a very, very long way. Um, so I started to get interested in amphibians when I was about four years old. And just as a child, I kept tadpoles, and I guess I've never, ever stopped. And I've still got tadpoles now, and I, I just really, I'm very passionate about amphibians. So what is it like, I suppose, as a child, it's that transformation from tadpole to frog, which is quite a fascinating thing to behold. I, I think that is one of the big attractions, that you can watch it grow the legs and become a little frog from a sort of a little aquatic swimming organism. Um, but for me, it was probably my love of toads that stimulated my long-time passion for amphibians. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, toads, we don't have too many of them around these parts, do we? No, no, I grew up in the UK and uh, that's where the words toad and frog originated from because in the UK there is only a toad or there is a frog um, and they are very different creatures and I really happen to like toads. So I grew up with toads in my pockets, in my garden, in my bedroom. I just had toads everywhere. It's one thing to have an interest in them. It's another to take it to PhD, D, a PhD level and talk about frog communication, Phil. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting one. Uh, how are New Zealand's frogs in terms of their communication? Uh, they're really interesting, and that's what brought me to New Zealand. Um, growing up in the UK, I really enjoyed working with amphibians. I went on to do a PhD in Africa. And that's one of the amphibian hotspots of the world. And I studied their communication there. And of course, most people know that frogs croak. And uh, what after working on croaking frogs for many years, I thought, well, I wonder how there's a number of species of frogs that don't croak. How do they communicate? And that's what brought me to New Zealand. Because in New Zealand, our native frogs don't make any sound at all unless you chop them in half with a spade. I have to ask, <laughs> what sound then do you get? They get a horrible squeaking noise. It's quite a frightening noise. Um, and this was described to me by a dock worker who was making a track. Right. And that's how they actually discovered the frogs. As they were digging out the track. They heard this horrible screaming, screeching sound. And they looked down and, and found an injured native frog. 
Well, let's hope that you don't have to repeat that experiment too often <laughs> in what you're doing. Your own work has seen you at the forefront of uh, the global effort at amphibian conservation. Tell us a little bit about what you're currently involved in as right. far as that goes. Um, it, yeah, it, it's been quite a transition for me because I was initially trained as a behavioural ecologist. So I was studying the behaviour of amphibians and not for an applied reason, just out of curiosity, trying to work out because they were the first animals to come onto land and actually use sound to communicate. So it's a very interesting, it's sort of the basis of our communication as well. So biologically it's very interesting, but the more and more that I studied these amphibians, the more my colleagues were telling me that their frogs were disappearing, um, their populations had crashed, and so I became a lot more involved in amphibian conservation. And I was quite uh, instrumental in the year of the frog in 2008, and because of my efforts there, I eventually got appointed to two international positions uh, trying to oversee global <coughs> excuse me global amphibian conservation uh, we're told <coughs> that uh, frog populations or amphibian populations are, are a barometer for the kind of the health of our planet is that true and 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 you know have you any reason to feel optimistic at the moment about Amphibian uh, populations. Yes, I mean that's a difficult question, and and there are many species of animals that are that could be likened to barometers of the health of the environment. Frogs certainly are, are very good indicators of the sort of overall environment because they have a very permeable skin. Then any toxins in the air or in the water or in the soil will immediately go into the frog. So they they cross all those boundaries. Whereas if you were to look at something like butterflies and bees, then they would obviously only be telling you about what's happening in the terrestrial environment. Whereas frogs cross those boundaries, they tell you about the whole environment. So uh, am I hopeful? Uh, there are some places that I'm hopeful. There are other places that, unfortunately, like Madagascar, um, and, and I visited Madagascar recently to try and help them with their amphibian conservation there. Um, I'm not very hopeful about Madagascar. Well, I suppose, Phil, that uh, one of the things that a festival like Wild Dunedin Festival does is it, it brings people into contact with these beasts and perhaps thereby uh, germinates a, a seed of interest that might take on the next, might result in the next generation of Phil Bishops. Yeah. And, and I guess that's your hope? Absolutely. I mean, it's, I'm amazed. I, I, every year that we run a New Zealand Frog Week, and last year I went up to Christchurch and I met a whole, about 200 school kids, and I showed them frogs. And some of them, this was the first time that they'd ever seen a frog, which is terrible because they were so fascinated by them, yet it's so difficult now to see a frog in New Zealand. So at the museum on Saturday... I think we worked out we will definitely have seven species of frogs, so it'll be the largest exhibition of frogs ever in New Zealand, um, and we might be able to get another species. I just have to check on the regulations on that one. So you're talking about live? Yes, all live, yes. Yeah. So we'll have live frogs. We'll have two species of native frogs, which I can guarantee you that 99% of the people coming through on Saturday will have never seen a native frog. Uh, most of the frogs that we see around Dunedin are actually introduced frogs from Australia. And some of those are now endangered in Australia. And so those are the ones that we hear at night if we do hear frogs. That's right, yeah. So around Dunedin, we would hear the brown tree frog, also known as the whistling tree frog. That's quite a common one on cold, wet nights. And in the summer, if you go out along the peninsula, then you'll be bumping into the southern bell frog, which is a large, croaking green frog that people often call a, a bullfrog, but it's actually called a bell frog. Well, you've mentioned Saturday's event. Paint a picture for us of what people can expect uh, at the Otago Museum. 
Right. Um, it's it's going to be a really exciting time. We've got lots of events going on. We want people to come and tell us where they've seen frogs because we're trying to map the frogs of the Dunedin area. So we'll have um, a, a map on the wall where they can come and stick pins on where they where they've seen their or heard frogs. We'll have uh, live tadpoles in various different stages of development and people can come and try and place them in the right order uh, lots of live frogs to look at uh, salamanders and newts which are also part of the amphibian family we've got Susie Cato um, doing her amazing things where she'll be telling people about how frogs native frogs breed how they croak how they jump and things like that we're showing a couple of movies on frogs um, some of my students will be displaying their work where they're working with communities to try and get them to think about um, how we've changed the New Zealand landscape since humans have arrived and what impacts that's had on frogs. We've got the, the team from Orokanui down. Uh, they'll be talking about trapping predators and the role that predators have in, in frog declines. Um, and there'll also be face painting and um, music and frog sounds. And so it'll be a really exciting, fun-filled three hours of fun. Well, we've got Susie Cato there, and we'll be talking to Susie on Friday's show. Uh, clearly, uh, in that regard, uh, this event uh, particularly uh, suitable for children. Is it aimed just at children, though? Can anyone head along and enjoy the uh, the day? Um, I would say a lot of the activities, um, most of the activities, will be aimed at children. But, of course, there's a lot of serious scientists there. So if anybody wants to engage us in any other type of conversation, then, of course, we're, we're very happy to do that. And some of the films that we're showing might be more suited for adults. I mean, there's no blood and guts or sex in it, maybe a bit of frog sex, but that's okay. But um, they're sort of geared up more for um, adult audiences and, and helping people understand the plight of amphibians in New Zealand and around the world. Well, and curiosity too, because as you've mentioned, there's probably few New Zealanders who can actually say they've seen a native New Zealand frog. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's quite amazing. And many people will, will contact me and say, oh, I've got native frogs in my garden. They're croaking at night. And I say, well, if they're croaking at night, then they're not native frogs. <laughs> you ha- are involved in this Wild Dunedin Festival. It's the first time around for this festival. Just um, tell us why you've hopped on board and, and what you... What your hopes are for Wild Dunedin this year? Right. Uh, Wild Dunedin, it, it, as you say, it's the first time that we've run it. Um, and, you know, we one of the reasons why many of us live in this area is because of our amazing wildlife. And it, it's, it's sort of a closely guarded secret. It's a bit like the weather down here that many people outside of Dunedin think the weather is terrible and we like them to, to, to keep thinking like that. But we would really like to attract more people to come to Dunedin to see the amazing wildlife that we've got here. And this this festival is all about celebrating that amazing wildlife. And, of course, frogs are part of that. So I, I would like to see it in the future um, grow quite a lot and maybe become an international event where we could bring in speakers from around the world um, to talk about the amazing wildlife that we do have in New Zealand and in Dunedin in particular. I know you're going to be tied up on Saturday, but I guess you've been looking like we all have at the very busy Wild Dunedin schedule for um, this coming weekend. Have you got some other events that you're uh, particularly keen to take part in? Um, certainly at Orokanui. I'm very keen on going out to Orokanui for the Nature Watch. Um, I've, we have a student society at the university that are organising a nature walk up in the Ross Creek and it's, it's really nice because it's run by students who are going to be telling the people about what they've learnt at university about nature um, so some of those events are going to be absolutely amazing. 
Do check out the Wild Dunedin website, folks, for the full schedule of events for a very busy Wild Dunedin Festival getting underway on Friday the 22nd of April, running right through and including uh, Monday uh, Anzac Day, of course. So uh, a good uh, holiday weekend, plenty of opportunity for you to get out and about with family. So just to remind us again, uh, Phil, uh, the uh, place and time of your frog event on Saturday. Right, so that starts at 2pm in the Hutton Lecture Theatre at the Otago Museum. So it'll be a really good weekend and there's no need for people to travel away this weekend. Stay off the roads, it's much safer and come and join in the Wild Dunedin Festival. And we should say that uh, Saturday's event is a free event too, so uh, you can um, head along there with the kids and have a really wonderful day. And while you're there, check out the rest of the happenings at Otago Museum too. Thanks for joining us, Phil, and all the best for your experience of Wild Dunedin for, uh, for 2016. Great. Thank you, Jeff. You're on Otago Access Radio's Spotlight on the Wild Dunedin Festival to be held from Earth Day the 22nd of April until Monday the 25th of April. Next up, we hear from children's entertainer and educationalist Susie Cato. Well, as we've heard on our series of Wild Dunedin features on the awesome morning show, Wild Dunedin is a chance for everyone to discover and explore the city's natural places, from the highlands to the high seas, and that includes the young ones. The festival has a number of events that are especially suitable for children and families to enjoy together, and one such event brings uh, Aotearoa New Zealand's best-known children's entertainer and educator to Dunedin. Targo Access Radio listeners will know Susie Cato from her show Susie and Fringe, which airs on Sunday mornings at 7 o'clock, and no doubt also from her many television and radio programmes we've enjoyed since the early 90s. Susie's in Dunedin tomorrow to spend an afternoon at Wild Dunedin uh, with Professor Frog and his students with the amazing wild frogs of New Zealand at the Otago Museum. Welcome to the awesome morning show. Susie Cato, good to have you with us. Hey, thank you, Jeff. Wonderful to be here. Um, I think I should start by saying, singing, it's frogs time, kia ora. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, look, you've been described as a frogophile. Yes. Um, New Zealand frogs hold a special place in your heart? Hey, they sure do. Um, very important. A very important place in my heart as well because... They're such a key to our future, basically. I've all learnt this, of course, from, from Dr. Frog himself, Dr. Phil, um, who is a mine of information and very passionate about these beautiful wee creatures. And, of course, the New Zealand frogs are so very, very special, and that's one of the reasons I'm coming down, is to share the information that I've learnt over the years and try and get kids to, and their families, to become more aware and become more involved in their environment. It's a bit of an extension of Susie's world, really, just um, with a Focus. Well, many people can go through their entire life without getting up close and personal with a frog. I know, and that's the great disappointment as a child. Um, up growing up in Kaikoua in the far north, we had a creek running behind our house, and we were forever splashing through there and chasing tadpoles and some. Perhaps that's added to their demise, unfortunately. <laughs> but you know, as a kid, growing up in those summer months, just the night air, full of frog sounds was just beautiful. It marked summer, basically. So it's such a shame that the kids of these days don't have that same opportunity. Well, we're told, of course, that the health or otherwise of frog populations reflect the overall health of our planet. That would be reason enough to find out more about them, Susie. Oh, definitely, definitely. And look, the New Zealand frogs are fascinating. I'm not going to tell you too much today. You'll have to come tomorrow and find out more. But Play-Doh and bean chairs are involved 
a very interesting combination and you need to be there to find out more about it. I don't want you to give away too much, of course, but <laughs> you must have learned some interesting things about frogs uh, since you've developed this interest. I mean, what in particular about them uh, delights or surprises you? Well, you know how frogs... You know, the, the, the call that everybody knows that a frog makes. You ask a child, a toddler, when they start learning things, what does a cow make? Moo. What sound does a dog make? Roof. What sound does a frog make? And then you've got rabbit or croak. Um, what sound does a New Zealand frog make? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, listen very closely and I'll make that sound for you. Oh, that's clever. <laughs> <laughs> Our frogs don't make much in the way of a noise at all. Susie, you know that dead air is the enemy of any radiation. <laughs> I know everybody's rushed to death radio to turn the volume up. <laughs> oh, she's gone. Where's she gone? Well, oh, that's what's happened. Where the frog's gone? Okay, well, that must make it a bit more difficult to track them down. Yes, it does. I've had many conversations with, um, with Dr. Frog and the challenges that he's had trying to find frogs. He often sends his students out now because they can be gone for hours. <laughs> What can you tell us about tomorrow's event at Otago Museum and what people can expect if they head along? Well, look, our event's at 2 o'clock and it is for the kids. It is a lot of fun. There'll have to be a few songs. Um, five green and speckled frogs sitting upon a log. As I say, there are bean chairs involved because it needs to be a bit of frog leaping and a frog landing, and that's another key thing about New Zealand frogs, the way they land. Um, well, look, we've got Play-Doh, we've got a few games, we need to eat some flies. From my understanding, Capri's has come on board too, but you have to ask... Um, you have to check that with Phil. He may have already told you, actually. I missed his interview. But um, there may be some chocolate frogs involved. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And a few facts. And um, I might get to sing a few more songs and have some cuddles with the kids. And I'm looking forward to it. It's been so long since I've been in Dunedin. Way too long. And I'm quite fortunate I'm bringing my family down so that they can experience some wild Dunedin as well. Your program, Susie's World, explored science and the natural world, sometimes with messy results. You're, you're <laughs> obviously an advocate of using fun and play as a way of demystifying what can be quite complex issues. Oh, definitely. Look, I learned so much while I was making the program, as did everybody involved, the camera operators, the soundies, been in the television industry for years, but might not have known why the sky was blue. So we actually had them contacting us at the end of a series saying, when are you doing it again? Come on, we want to we wanna go and play and have some fun. They didn't get to sit in the big pool of um, slime, but I did. So. <laughs> <laughs> Often. Um, yeah, uh, it would, really great fun ourselves, but how it actually engaged kids and got them involved in it and their families. I remember at one stage having somebody write to us via email and say, when have you got that program on about tides again? My, I'm a, been a boaty for years, and my son now knows more about tides than I do. So um, it's neat that it, it reached all different ages, and um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I guess using household items too meant that it was it captured the the kids' imagination that it's around them all the time. It's not some something that you have in a box or that happens over in America or whatever. It happens in your backyard, in your house all the time. Fantastic scientific processes and and um, reactions and things like that, even within your own body. Well, this wild Dunedin Festival uh, provides opportunities to learn, but but also just to enjoy and appreciate the natural environment. I suppose that those kind of experiences can never start too early as far as the, the kiddies are concerned. Oh, no, definitely. Just lifting up a leaf or a log in the back 
backyard. It's how you react to it, though. So if it's a big spider that you see, you try and keep your shrieks to the minimum <laughs> while you quietly place down the log and say, oh, we'll come back to that one later. It looks like it's sleeping. You know, so it's, it's how you react to those, those things in your garden. And um, you can really introduce a love of learning at a very young age. We heard last week on this segment from Gabrielle from Fantail Trails uh, about opportunities for unstructured play and excursions into the outdoors. What's your view on the kind of current debate around the being too risk-averse with play, especially when it comes to things like climbing a tree or exploring the natural world? Um, look, my little chappy has fallen out of a tree and luckily bounced quite well, but I think it's really, really important. Um, uh, from the point of view that they know what their boundaries are. If you start climbing a tree, as a um, university student say, um, head there for a moment, um, as a wild Dunedin university student, um, if you haven't climbed a tree before, the fall that you're potentially going to have is going to be far greater. If you know what it's like to tumble from a small height, then... You know, you're going to learn your boundaries. You're going to learn how to cling. You're going to how how to, to to grab hold of things and 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 the pull of gravity. So the sooner you can do that, the better. And uh, we can't wrap our kids in cotton wool. They need to be able to live, to be able to get those bumps and bruises and scrapes and 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 those falls, just to live their life and and to to really experiment and and understand what's going on. There are plenty of university student students still learning about the pull of gravity, actually. <laughs> Susie? Um, what's, this, what's that steepest street? That you have? Baldwin Street. Yes, yes exactly. What, what value do you see in this inaugural Wild Dunedin Festival, especially as it relates to younger New Zealanders? Oh, it's invaluable. It's invaluable that we uh, encourage people away. Look, the website and the Facebook page are fantastic. So you use technology to find out where it is, where it's happening, and then you don your jacket and your, um, your boots and out, get out there and, and be a part of it. It's invaluable to engage people of all ages because let's face it, we're all kids. We all want to get a little bit of mud on us and, and find out what's happening with that beautiful um, royal albatross chick and things like that. Um, and, and to mark Dunedin as the wildlife centre of New Zealand, I think it's fantastic. I used to spend two weeks of every month for five years um, and while I was down here, I would often drive out <laughs> for one or two, at least one of the years. I was in the um, kids' TV bubble car, fantastic big window, so that when I was driving out towards Port Chalmers or heading out on the other peninsula, um, I'd go and sit uh, on the clifftop and look out over the beaches and the sea rolling in and... Oh, I just love that you've got a beautiful, beautiful piece of the world here in Dunedin and need to treasure it and, and make the most of it. Well, we're looking forward to a fabulous weekend. Just mm. uh, diverting a little, uh, Susie, listeners to your Sunday morning show will know that the Great Big Kids Show is now known as Susie and Friends. That's yes. now tying in, I guess, with your online presence and your YouTube channel. Yeah, and look, the whole reason for that is for so many years, um, while I was on television... I had kids saying, how do I get to be a part of the program? Well, I've been looking at ways of being able to have a program on standard television, and that's proving a little bit harder. So YouTube opens up that whole new opportunity, and there's so much room on my couch to have kids come and join me, and big kids come and join me and, and chat about the things that they're interested in. At the moment, we're doing a lot of arts and crafts, but um, the idea is to get out 
and be a part of kids' lives and have them on the screen, on the radio. And that's why we're joining you on Sunday for our radio star and uh, looking forward to meeting at least one wonderful young Denise Knight and um, have them help me co-host the show. So in for a lot of fun. All right. Well, we're looking forward to that. And, of course, we're looking forward to tomorrow's event as part of the Wild Dunedin Festival at Otago Museum. It's 2 o'clock. Things get underway. That's right. We're there for an hour, leaping about and having all kinds of crazy amphibious fun. It is a free event. I would advise you to get along just a, a little ahead of that time if you want to be part of it. I'm sure it's going to be very, very popular indeed uh, and part of a very busy uh, Wild Dunedin Festival that includes a lot of events that are designed just for the kids or for families to share. Susie Cato, thank you so much for joining us on uh, the Awesome Morning Show this morning. We look forward to catching up with you when you're in Dunedin. Wonderful. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. You're on Otago Access Radio's Spotlight on the Wild Dunedin Festival to be held from Earth Day the 22nd of April until Monday the 25th of April. Take a walk on the wild side this April as the inaugural Wild Dunedin Festival celebrates our beautiful and unique landscape, weather and wildlife. Wild Dunedin is a chance for everyone to discover and explore the city's nature from the highlands to the high seas. Wild Dunedin starts on International Earth Day, Friday the 22nd of April, and continues over the weekend, ending on Anzac Day. Visit www.wilddunedin.nz for the full schedule of Wild Dunedin events. This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.